0: I learn more and more about new media every day, and I'm really convinced that it's changing our business. I've been in public relations for many years, and I believe that we're living through a time of great change really, a revolution. And there's so much information um, that I could cover today. I I don't want to go in a million directions, I want to try to focus this and give you guys an overview are really three areas that I think are are important. Um, The first is going to be social media. The second is going to be blogs. And the third is going to be podcasts. We're going to talk about what they are. So if you know what they are already, excuse me, we're going to start from square one here and go through it so you really understand it. And then we're going to look at who's doing it and how they're doing it. And uh, then we're going to open it up for questions. So uh, Barbara's already done a very good job uh, telling you about (laughs) myself. In 99, I think it was 99, I was um, working uh, with Maureen O'Connor's team at Rajon Cowan uh, in the Grammys press room. And it's something that I did every year. I enjoyed it very much. It was a lot of fun. You got to be backstage. and It was like being on the runway and landing jumbo jets. You know, you had Madonna and her entourage here, and Shania Twain and her entourage there, and someone else in the MTV one-on-one, and you had to keep them happy so that they would wait to go in. And... In 99, for the first year, I saw these geeks with unibrows tinkering in the center of the press room. I don't know what was going on. And someone told me, oh, they they got uh, IBM to give them a million bucks so they could build an internet place in the press room. Now, we always had a photo room, and we had a a newsroom, and we had an electronic room. And for those outlets that really commanded the right audience, they'd get a one-on-one upstairs. We never had an internet room before. Now, we spent... A good six months credentialing media and deciding who was going to get in we were obviously uh, beholden to the fire marshal restrictions and we had about six hours maybe to generate uh, impressions that would really have value for the year and uh, i remember scratching my head and looking down and thinking that's the future because now anyone can be in the press room see what's going on in here and if i could figure out a way to help organizations that maybe didn't have a million dollars for ibm uh, do this on their own. That would be a real benefit. And my career really took a different path at that time. I started pursuing the area of new media, and um, and so I've been uh, fortunate enough to be quoted in articles and to be invited to speak on the subject at different professional conferences and seminars. And um, I'm really, I actually, am genuinely, personally interested and professionally interested in how technology and in the internet are changing the way. People communicate in the way uh, organizations distribute information. So this is, uh, I saw Charlie, uh, Charlie Rose interviewing uh, Arthur J. Salzberg, the publisher of the New York Times, a couple months ago. And um, because of TiVo, I was able to stop it and rewind it. And I just, I had to blog this because a lot of times I blog things not necessarily because I want someone else to read them. But because I want to file them away so that they'll be available for me at a later time, and there's so much information out there, how do you remember it all? So, by putting it in my blog, it's a way to remember it. And this is what I blogged. I want to read it out loud. Because I think this is really the theme of why new media is such a big deal. Uh, We're going to have to recognize that our old way of operating, which was for us to talk to you, is only half of the equation now. We have to give you the option to talk back to us, and more importantly, to talk to your peers. You think about that. That's a, a that's a fundamental change to our business because we're in the business of communicating messages. We create our messages and we distribute our messages, and we don't really think about what people say back to us and how we're going to have a conversation with them. That was always relegated to customer service or the sales department or PR. We come up with the messages. We come up with a message map. We train the executives or whoever the spokespeople are. We help them stay on message and communicate the message. Well. You know, for the first time, the media is not necessarily God anymore. It used to be whatever the media said, they printed a retraction three days later, no one saw it. Now we're finding savvy organizations and individuals are blogging their point of view, or they're tape recording their interviews and releasing them on, on the internet uh, when, when the story breaks. So it's really changing the balance of power. Some market trends, just to sort of set the stage for this presentation, I think are, are, are interesting. Uh, so 94 million Americans on the Internet daily. I think there's about 265 million in the country. Um, 45 million iPods sold 76% in 05. What's interesting about that is the majority of those were sold in the fourth quarter when the when, the, when, the, when the, a thin version of the iPod came out called the Nano, and then another version of the iPod came out called the Video iPod. So, I mean, it's a real hockey puck in terms of sales. Uh, the podcast audience is projected to reach 60 million uh, by 2010. And what's really going to be the, um, the wildfire is uh, there's technology being developed now that will allow you to subscribe to podcasts on your cell phone. And obviously, when everyone can get them on their cell phone, then the audience just explodes. Um, online advertising is the fastest growing segment. So if you look at the marketing mix... And where the dollars are being spent. This is real important, and I want to just uh, digress for a moment because uh, I was up the street a couple weeks ago, seeing the cherry orchard. Uh, Annette Benning and Alfred Molina are doing the cherry orchard. And it's a fantastic play. For those of you read it, you know it, and and it was it struck me square between the eyes how relevant the theme of the play was to the to this current time to this discussion. And I give you the, the why. Earlier that day, I had been meeting with one of the major broadcast networks, and I had been sitting with, really the, I mean the powers that be, the, the top marketing people who had invited me in to tell them about podcasting. And we went through the presentation, and uh, I was done, and it was silent. And I sort of nodded, and um, the EVP looked at me, and she said, "You know, you've laid out a very compelling business case for this new medium." And it's clear that it's going in this direction. It's it's obvious that we've got to do this. And then she looked over across the table and she said, do we do it now or in 12 months? And for those of you who know the story of the, the olive tree, it's a story of Russian aristocrats. And they're losing their land and adjacent cherry orchard because they can't pay their bills. And a son of former slaves walks in and says, I've got an idea. We're going to cut off the cherry the cherry orchard, we're going to subdivide it, build summer homes, you'll sell off the cherry orchard, but you'll keep the house, you'll keep the estate. To which case, she says, I really don't understand such things, calls for more wine, and they have a party. And, obviously, the end of it is, the slave winds up buying the cherry orchard, and she's gone with nothing. And so, if we think strategically about new media, as public relations practitioners, the money is moving, from offline channels to online channels. So we can either say, well, we have web guys and they handle that, or we can get involved. If we get involved, I think we can probably keep the cherry orchard. If we don't, I fear that we're ultimately going to be relegated to, to the world of special events. That's really my concern for, for public relations. There is a very good podcast by Richard Elliman called Earshot. Richard Edelman, uh, the president of Edelman Public Relations, the largest independent public relations firm. And um, every year for the last six years, they've been doing a, a, a public trust barometer study. And it's a fairly sophisticated research project. They talk to high net worth individuals who make uh, $750,000 a year or more and are very attuned to media. And So this is the, the elite. And uh, they try to deduce... Who has the most influence and who are the most trustworthy sources? And um, if you get a chance to listen to shot you can hear Richard Utelman presenting uh, the findings of this year's study to his New York office. It's a great podcast. You have a chance to listen to it. And uh, the big revelation was, first, that authority figures are losing the public's trust. Now, whether it's uh, Enron, Global Crossing, and Tyco leading to the, the in corporations, whether it's uh, you know politics leading to distrust in government, or um, or Jason Blair, or other scandals leading to distrust in mainstream media, people trust authority figures less, according to the study. And this was the most interesting thing I thing I thought. Peers had become the most credible source. So it's people like yourselves, people that you talk to, that you respect the most and that you trust the most. I mean, they're, they're the people who probably don't have an angle. Everyone else has got an angle as far as this study says. And if you think about what that means for new media, you know, it used to be if you know, We all have somebody who we call when we want to get a new cell phone. You know everything and you call them and which one do I get? Or um, you know, where do I go to buy this? We all have people who know these things. And now these people who know these things have blogs and podcasts and they're basically extending their reach. They're no longer shackled by geography or by time, and uh, and that's how new media is really influencing popular opinion. This got a lot of attention. This was the Dove campaign, and of course these are real women, you know. And of course, uh, American Idol, real people, fame and glory. So peers and the importance of peers. So let's start with social media, and the reason I want to do this because as we go over the course through this presentation, I'm going to save links for you, and you're going to be able to log on and get those links later.
1: Good.
0: So instead of having to write down what the link is and everything, you're going to have a way to do that. So how many of you use your favorites on your computer, your favorites on your browser? How many of you ever go back to those things and remember what they are?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You do? Mm-hmm. Well, do you remember them all? No. Because no. mine are credible all kinds of I can't remember what it was,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And often I do it at the office, and then I'm at home, and I can't remember what it was, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this new thing that's emerged called tagging. Mm -hmm. Tagging, and what tagging is is a way to come on. (laughs) What what tagging is is a way to save a website or a web page online. And here's how it works. Here's one of the tagging services. It's called Delicious. So as we go through this, I'm actually going to boot up these different services and show them to you. So this is my Delicious. And you can see it's SpinFluencer right here. Right? And what I can do is I can save any page by any keyword I want. So say, for example, and here's a great example. My wife and I went to Italy last year. And, you know, every now and then I research Italy, I find something, but i got to remember that link. So what I did is I just tagged everything Italy. And then when I was ready to go make the reservations, I went back and I pulled up Italy. Now, one of the other things that's interesting is I can also view everyone else who bookmarked Italy. Mm -hmm. So I can view not only everyone else who bookmarked Italy, but I can view those links that the most people, the most popular bookmarked Italy sites. So that's sort of the idea of social media. So as I go through, I've created a bookmark for us, and it is IP... um, PRSA, where is it? PRSA IPG LA. So that's the tag. So that's all you're going to have to write down. And then what you're going to do is you're going to go to Delicious, after we're done, and you're just going to put in that PRSA plus IPG plus LA. And all the links that I tagged tonight will be available under that tag. Okay? Okay. So there are journalists now, not many of them, but there are some tech journalists who say, you know what, don't send me email anymore. I get too much email. If you want to get your news in front of me, tag it with my name. I'll get it that way. So you see the balance of power shifts. It's no longer about you interrupting them. It's about them going to their feed and getting their news when they want it. And this becomes a very popular way of getting people to notice things and building influence. Because if I tag something, Terry Semmel, the president of Yahoo, because I blogged about him, I'm pretty sure that their PR people, or maybe even Terry Semmel is going to see it. So you get an idea about what tagging is all about. I'm going to move fairly quickly, because there's a lot of ground we're going to cover. So that's the first thing I wanted to show you.
2: Can I interrupt?
0: You? Please do. Uh...
2: Where are we supposed
0: to go to find this uh, uh, PRSA You're gonna to go to ww.delicious mm-hmm. just like it's just like it's spelled in the dictionary, mm-hmm. delicious.com okay. forward slash mm-hmm. spinfluencer. Go there and then just click on PRSA IPG LA. Mm-hmm. Or you can go to delicious.com and search PRSA mm-hmm. plus IPG plus L A and you can get it either way. And if you can't find it, send me an email and I'll send you a link to where it is. Okay? Okay. So that's the first thing, tagging. So now there's a there's also a website called Dig, and the way Dig works is people submit sites, the stories that they think are interesting, and the most people that tag it or dig it, the more popular it is, and the more popular it is, they do a podcast where it's kind of like a uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure type thing. <coughs> They actually get a lot of viewers, and they sit around and they talk of the most popular stories of the day. Are they big nerds? They're pretty big nerds. They're not huge nerds. Not huge nerds. It's actually cool to be a nerd. So so now this is a search engine I want to show you called Roddy. and I'm going to bookmark it and see what I did, Um, Bill. I actually downloaded these little buttons to my browser, which you can do on Delicious, and I'll just hit click to post it to Delicious and it'll take me to there and where's my there's my little tag and I'll go like that and I'll save it so this will be the first tag that will be available for you guys and what I did was I searched Knight Ritter. okay because there's big news about Knight Ritter today so what we see here is these are the most recent posts about Knight Ritter in blogs <clears throat> This is searching exclusively blogs. It's not searching regular websites. It's only searching blogs. So this is what people are saying about Night Ritter. And you see one person said this 15 minutes ago, 57 minutes ago, one hour ago. And I can organize it different ways. The default way is to show me the most current posts. But what we're talking about now with social media is if you want to listen to what they're saying about your brands already, and your clients, the people that you're working with, and yourself, these are the tools that are available to you to listen to the digital conversation. Because there's a conversation going on, whether you're participating or not. And the reason I call it a conversation is because when I go to a blog post, so here's Operation Regime Change, Who Owns the Truth, 15 minutes ago, the last post on Knight Ritter. This is somebody's blog. And... What this person does is links to different sites. See, they're linking down here. I can see on the bottom where they're linking. If you look down there, you'll see when I hover over it where the link is. And so I can actually follow the link through and see what different people are saying and get disparate points of view by clicking through this conversation. That's why I call it a conversation. Yes
1: going back to tagging, if
0: you're tagging all things Italy, and I'm tagging all things Italy, you know I'm tagging all things Italy? If you let me see that I, that if, unless you privatize it, you can mark your tags antisocial. Okay. If, you mark an, <laughs> if you mark them antisocial, I won't be able to okay. see them.
1: But I don't be really do well, that.
0: What I, I do is I just use an obscure tag if I'm tagging something that I don't necessarily want to be public. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, so, so Technorati, a way to search blogs. Just blogs, right? If you search Google Night Ritter, you're going to get the Knight Ritter website, right? You're going to get other authorities. You're going to get the front doors of the major corporations on the boulevards. But if you search Technorati Knight Ritter, you're going to find out what they're really saying in the back alleys. That's the difference, right?
1: Is there a the noise that that are not generating a lot of interest? To the ones that have a lot of popularity.
0: Which is well, I almost think you have to reevaluate what is meant by influence because if you had only two readers on your blog and one of those readers happened to be a writer for the New York Times, that could be huge. And I could think of businesses that I've worked with in the B2B space where there are maybe 12 customers. If they had those 12 customers, their sales would go through the roof. So it's not necessarily about volume, it's about quality, it's about the right listener. So let's go here now to PubSub. PubSub is another tool, and I'll bookmark this as well for us. But before I do, this is a list in PubSub of all the most popular PR blogs. That's maintained by a a fellow by the name of Constantine Bastura, who is from Romania and also maintains a wiki called Global PR Blog Week, but we won't go into that here. Um, and you can see, I'm so excited. I'm number,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: where am I? I know I'm in there. There I am. I'm down three this week, or today. <laughs> so come on, you guys. you got to visit my blog. Okay, so I'll post this to Delicious. And PubSub is a tool. First of all, you can go to this list here, which I'm tagging, and get familiar with all the PR blogs if you're interested. And you can also learn to use PubSub to monitor the blog as well. So I just click on PRSALA, and I hit save, and it takes me back to my list. Naked Conversations is a book that's out uh, by two gentlemen. One guy's named Robert Scoble, and he's the online blog evangelist at Microsoft and Shell Israel, who's a pre practitioner like us, and um, Scoble's in charge of an in- initiative at Microsoft called Channel 9. Now if you've ever flown on a plane if you're afraid to fly, Channel 9 is where you can hear the exchange between the cockpit huh? and the radio tower. Yeah. The idea being that it won't be scary if you can hear what's going on. So Channel 9 at Microsoft <laughs> is designed to That's give people a vision of what's going on behind the corporate banner and really humanize the brand by empowering the the voices of the individuals behind it. So that's PubSub. The last two I want to show you are IceRocket. IceRocket is cool because IceRocket is really good if you want to do a complex query of the blogosphere. So say, for example, you search telcos because you're in Telcom PR, and you get too much nonsense. Well, then maybe you try telco plus carry and see if that works. And then maybe you're working with Verizon, so maybe it's telco plus carrier plus Verizon. What you can do is you can actually in in in, in IceRocket subscribe to that post and have it come through automatically, so that every time someone says something new, you're hearing it, and you can be participating in that conversation if you choose, or just monitoring it for uh, for your client. So I searched this query as Schwartzman and podcast, and I can see here. The different people that are mentioning my podcast or that are linking to my podcast, and I can. Out, did
1: you find out it was a shameless self promotion?
0: Yes. Yeah, so let's look at that.
1: <laughs> so that's actually a, uh, yeah, that's a serious conversation. With
0: so that's what you do if if you want to promote yourself on the blogosphere, because this is a naked conversation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So what you say is, "This is shameless self promotion, guys. I'm blogging about a podcast that they did on me." And that's what he's doing. He's blogging about the podcast I did about him on his website. And he doesn't want to seem overtly promotional because you know everyone goes away with a bad taste in their mouth when you hard sell on the internet. So this is the way he's done it. He says, shameless self-promotion. The last um, social media tool I want to show you is called BlogPulse. I lost my cursor. There it is. BlogPulse was actually just acquired by um, uh, VNU's uh, Nielsen. And uh, it uh, seeks to help marketers and PR people measure the blogosphere. Uh, I think there's a real danger associated with trying to quantify something qualitative like a reputation. Um, but this is what they're doing. All due do respect to our host. I want you to know I checked the stats before I did this, but we're searching... PR Newswire, Business Wire, and Market Wire for the most common posts. And we can see there are more for PR Newswire than their competition. <laughs> but this is a tool here, a trend search. So, say for example, you've got a client, a music library, and they say, "Well, we're not a music library. We're a production library." And the other person says, "No, we're not a production library. We're a sound library." Well, you might do a little trend search here and see which the mo- what the most popular phrases are. Because what you want to do is participate in the conversation, right? I mean, if, if you walk up to a circle of people at the party and change the topic of conversation, you are not welcome. But if you participate in the conversation that's already underway, then you're going to be more easily accepted. So uh, this is a tool called TrendSearch. And I'll go ahead and post it to Delicious so you can check it out on your own. That will allow you to get uh, a metric for uh, frequency of posts by certain keywords. This is also something, say, for example, you're working um, in a competitive sector, you want to look at your client against their competition, and you might be able to demonstrate over time how you've impacted that. I think one of the great opportunities of new media is uh, the ability to marry the metrics and reporting capabilities of the web with public relations, something we've struggled with for so long. Now we have a way to do it. So whether or not you get the media hit or whether or not you get the Wall Street Journal... You can actually demonstrate the number of visitors that are coming in, the number of posts that are being made, the, the amount of discussion. And that's so,
1: through
0: that last book? Uh blog, blog post was the last one that I showed How you. It, that what
1: you're saying is the best measurement?
0: Well, they're really all measuring different things. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't really just take one. You really need to look at this in a comprehensive fashion like you would anything. These are all individual tools. These are all startup companies, too. I mean, these are not standardized metrics. And, you know, one of the biggest impediments right now to getting clients uh, to really bite on this type of uh, these type of initiatives now is the fact that there are no standardized metrics. So something to keep in mind, you really need to measure from a variety of different um, angles if you're going to get the most accurate me- metric. Excuse me,
2: Eric. Yes. I'm curious as to why you didn't include uh, MySpace or sites similar to that.
0: When I hear social media, that's what I think. You know, yeah, it is. It's true. Um, I can't cover it all. There's going to be a lot of stuff that I I don't mention that I probably should. Um, You know, MySpace, I think the the value and beauty of MySpace is that it is fairly organic. And uh, I don't necessarily think that the right way to approach... Um, getting visibility on MySpace is to go your own site. Um, for those of you who are following the developments of what's being called the remix generation or the mashup generation, I think it's better to think about how you can offer content to that community that they could then use in their sites themselves. So maybe it's a banner, and Coke is now doing I Love Coke banners that you can download, and people are downloading them and putting them on their MySpace sites. A lot of my clients who have uh, video on demand available, uh, people find that video on demand and they put it on their MySpace site by just attaching a link. So I see MySpace more as a tool of of the individual, and uh, I also think um, it's probably skews younger. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, we, we talk we. Ethics is not something we don't, we're unfamiliar with in, this, in our business. I mean, we talk about it a lot. And I think the ethics with respect to new media are just developing. But to me, it feels unethical to go into an environment that's being populated mostly by minors, mostly by kids, uh, with, a direct, with a direct plea. I think the better way to do it is to offer content that can be used by that community and uh, empowering evangelists to carry the torch forward on your behalf
1: thank you it, it sounds like what you are getting around saying is in these sites there's more of a, of a professional interest whereas in my space it's, it's less of a professional interest in the correct
0: interest. and the sites that I showed you are pretty much measurement sites so, so let's go to blogs now we did a little bit about social media and the reason I did social media first is so that you know I'm tagging everything as I go alright <laughs> So, so the first thing is the blog. So what's the big deal about a blog, right? It's just a website. There's so many people out there doing them. Who cares, right? Who has time for it? Attention is a scarce commodity. Well, the big deal about blogs is now anybody can publish to the Internet for free. For free, anybody can get a blog, which is basically... An ad water and stir content management system. It's very easy to use. You can master it in a matter of minutes. And you can be heard online.
1: And how is it different than message boards? Because a lot of blogs look a lot like message boards to me. A message and you can Excellent question.
0: Excellent question. So the underlying technology that supports a blog is a newsfeed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's called RSS, and it stands yes. for Real Simple Syndication. That's the protocol by which you can subscribe to a blog. Now, we talked about tagging websites and going back to the websites and remembering to go back. Now you can subscribe, and that information comes to you. So I'll give you a a practical application. Uh, My father is writing a book, and he's looking for an office on the west side. And he says, "I gotta find an office I can rent. Can you help? I know you know the internet. Can you help?" Know? So I go to Craigslist. You guys know Craigslist, and I'm looking for, um, you know, offices. And I see a little tag in the corner that says RSS. And it looks kind of like this—a little XML button there in the corner—and I click on it. I'm not going to do that. Let me show you an RSS. And I click on it, and I get this gibberish, right? And what is that? Call tech support.
1: Get me out of here, okay? What
0: this is, is an RSS news feed. Okay, now to explain to you RSS, i got to geek out for a second here. Okay, so humor <laughs> me. So let's go back to 1999. Who was practicing PR in 1999? For those of you who weren't practicing PR in 1999, it was all about e-commerce. And these e-commerce companies were just going to change the world and we were all, you know, trading stocks at our lunch hour and we were all going to be rich. E-commerce. Well, the big deal with e-commerce was this. How many people have ever heard of HTML? (laughs) HTML is computer code that describes the look of information in a browser window. Okay. Well, in order for e-commerce to take off, purchase orders and invoices would have to be able to flow from one company to the next with no human intervention. So that if I'm Honda and I'm manufacturing cars, I can see how many spark plugs there is at Delco, and I can see all this stuff, I don't even need to pick up the phone. That was the promise of e-commerce. Well, in order to do that, you can't trade information HTML. It's HTML. It's just the look of information. So someone said, well, let's classify that information, too. And they came up with a a new computer language called XML. And XML defines not just the look of information in a page, but categories of information. So if I'm having a a garage sale, and I want to go, I go to Staples, and I buy the receipt book, right, with the invoices, and I have to fill out the thing, to, from, description, part, number, amount, all the different fields. Those fields are classes of information. So what happened when, when e-commerce was all the rage is they agreed on a lingua franca and they said this is how we're going to classify this information and they started trading information back and forth via XML. And so if you had uh, Siebel and I had Oracle and he had Microsoft and, and he had a, a homegrown system that, that was legacy, we could all trade purchase orders and it would streamline our supply chain, right? Remember we're all talking about the supply chain. That was the promise of XML. Well... About two years ago, a gentleman by the name of Dave Weiner said, hey, let's take this XML and apply it to news stories. We'll just take the same technology, but instead of having the part number and the ship date, we'll have the headline and the subheadline, and the copyright and the photo and the caption and the body text and all the different classes of information that comprise a news story. And If you go to Google News or you go to Yahoo News and you look at all these disparate news stories, they all look the same. The reason that they all look the same, it's all the same color font and it's all nicely arranged on the page, is because it's all being fed in via XML and parsed and displayed for you in a browser page. So here's an XML feed, okay, don't be afraid of this. Let's look at the classes of information. First this is, look at the top, RSS version 2.0, most current version of RSS. We have the publication date, right, we have the title of the document, we have the link where that document is located, under that is a description, right, under that is copyright, under that is a title, another link, and so actually the top one is the publisher's title and the publisher's link, and then below is the story title and the story link, and that's the information of an RSS feed. And what can happen is you can actually just subscribe to this, and I'm going to show you how, Okay. So if you want to subscribe to any RSS feed, you just go up here, copy it. And there's a lot of different ways that you can subscribe to RSS, but I'm going to show you how to do it in my Yahoo. So at the bottom of my Yahoo, I just click add content. And then it says add by R, add by RSS I'm going to paste it in there and it's going to parse that feed for me and now if I want I can just add that feed to my Yahoo on Craigslist I was able to subscribe to an RSS feed for an office in West LA with certain square footage was great. I didn't have to keep checking back on, on, on Craigslist to see when it became available. It came to me.
2: Did the people posting have to parse their listing? Did they have to know the RSS format? Or
0: so in order to be able to feed RSS, there needs to be technology that lets you do it. Yeah. So, so I just showed you an RSS feed. These are the three tools that you could use to get a blog. You could get a free blog at Blogger. And let's click on these links so that I can bookmark them for you guys. Blogger is owned by uh, Google. It's free. What if you made a
1: blog and you forgot
0: what it is? I would start a new blog. (laughs) How many of you have ever seen Blogger? Okay. So while that's loading, uh, my company, iPressroom, has a blogging tool. And then a company called Movable Type has a blogging tool as well. These are both paid uh, solutions. What
1: is the price?
0: Um, let's not get into that here. Yeah. Is there, me, is there any advantage of going to a paid site versus something that's different? Yeah. I'm well.
2: You don't want to go there right now.
0: The truth is, you get what you pay for. But I mean, like, so I'll tell you. For me personally, I have a personal blog. I use Blogger. My personal blog. I would want to pay money for that. But if I was working with a corporation on deployment, I would not trust it to. You know, an open source startup that's, there's no one to call when it goes down. You know what I mean? These are not mission critical. These free services that I'm showing you, these are not mission critical applications. These are applications that are there for you, they're free when they work.
2: <laughs>
0: I mean, this, this is the brave new world here.
2: Well, I have, you know, I, I, I pay to an ISP to have my own site. Do yep. I use my own site as a blog?
0: Uh, probably not. You need a blogging tool. Um, What differentiates a website from a a, a blog is a blog is a weblog where regular posts are added, and they're shown in chronological order from the most current post to the least current post. That's the format of a blog. But you can certainly use your website to do all the same things you could do on a blog. So I showed you how to subscribe, and I'm going to use my blog as a case study of the benefit of blogging. I've been using the internet to service my clients and do media relations for a long time. And I've worked with a lot of entertainment uh, clients that have consumer appeal. So I wind up with you know, Britney Spears photos on my website. I wind up with Olympics photos on my website, Search du Soleil photos on my website. And I'm looking at my traffic and I'm thinking, this is great. No one is coming to my website because they're interested in me as a provider of public relations. They're just coming here because they want the pictures of Britney Spears. I'm thinking, I need to figure out a way to get a more qualified audience to my website. And that's why I decided to launch the blog. I figured this would be a great way for me to remember learning experiences that I have as I go. I'll be able to post about them. Um, and uh, hopefully people will find those posts. I'll link the blog to my website. And people will come through my blog to my website. Obviously, if they come through my blog to my website, they're a qualified uh, person because I'm only blogging about things that would be interesting to that audience. So we're going to see if we can... uh, You know, our, our Internet connection is kind of hanging. So we'll move forward and we'll come back to show you as we go. So why do blogs matter? Blogs matter because... They're an easy way to publish content to the web because people can subscribe to them, because they're a way to participate in digital conversations. And um, you know, they're really the first tool that have given our trade uh, a first hand experience with web publishing. When and this gets back, Bill, to what you were saying, you know, I have a website, I can publish the web, what do I need a blog for? You know, I would argue that you really don't. And I, I'm not this this blog guy who says everybody needs a blog, everyone should blog. I don't believe that. I don't believe blogs are going to replace press releases. I don't believe any of that. It's a new channel. I think it's an important channel. Um, but web publishing is really the most important thing. Unfortunately, it's taken the blog for people in our industry to start to appreciate the benefits of, 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 of web publishing because there's been an easy way for them to do it.
2: I could add something, Eric. I had a interesting experience the other day and maybe other people had it involving blogs and how um, journalists are probably are now using them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to read a columnist for a business week named John Fine. who writes about media and new media. Sure. And so I have an RSS. He has an RSS feed, so I get his blog listings. And the other day, I uh, checked the blog and he had a post. He said, I am mulling a column on a new website called Office Pirates. And Office Pirates is, um, I forget who owns it, but it's basically a marketing site. It's a collaboration of a lot of stuff, content for people working in offices who have too much time on their hands who want to, you know, see video clips and other things. It seems to basically be aimed at uh, 30-something or 25 to 30-year-old males. And he said, I'm, looking, uh, I'm thinking about doing a column, I'd like people's comments, uh, here's a link to the site, look at it if you want to post what you think about it, put it here on my blog, and I'm going to go through these comments, and that's going to help me decide whether to write a column. So I, I was fascinated by that, I had to look at it, I had to give them some comments, and then go back and, and read it. You know, So it's a, chan- you know, it's a chance you don't often get to watch what a journalist is working on and see how he's shaping what might ultimately be a column in the story.
0: This book, um, Naked Conversations, that I'm recommending if you want to learn more about blogging, um, they actually posted each chapter to their blog before they released it with their publisher and asked the community for feedback. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So we're we're waiting because we lost our internet connection, I think. But once this uh, realizes that, we'll be able to move on. Are there any questions about blogs? What's
1: the demographic profile of people who use blogs?
0: I like the latter question, okay? Um, one of the things that's a little different about communicating online is you're not necessarily talking to people based on their demographics. You know, it's not as necessarily as, as important if they're a man or a woman, if they're white or they're black, if they're 16 or they're 24 or they're 60, what seems to be more important and more valuable is that you're talking to someone who's genuinely interested in what you have to say. And the reason for that is if you can network with like-minded people and deliver messages and information to those people that empower them to carry your message forward, then that can help you in engineering tipping. Or a popular opinion, or a reputation.
2: How does this tie in with what's going on in movie marketing, where despite how much they spend on a movie, people are coming out of the movie theater with their cell phones and calling everyone they know
1: and either saying that movie sucked, or you've got to go see this, and it's really rewriting
0: how you put together a. Right. And, is it the same and those people are blogging and they're, and they're podcasting too. So, yeah, those are the new opinion makers. Those are the peers that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Question. Mm-hmm. Going from a public
1: blog, like, the past I've done technical blogging, you get some people who are really knowledgeable, it's your key market, and then you get ones who are just constantly on the majority of them are
0: TFM. Okay.
1: So what I've noticed from my is. Within a few weeks of me, paying out something publicly, I shut it down and say, okay, this is the four people that I really want to talk to, and then I start sending out emails back and forth, and we
0: have private world. Have you seen that as a trend? Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it makes certainly makes sense to me. I'm not, not surprised by what you're saying. Let's, let's move on and let's talk about practical application. These are some companies that are blogging. And I tried to give you a representation of different companies. Now, Walmart is doing blog relations. They're not doing a blog, but they're communicating with bloggers and distributing information to bloggers who they think are influential with their core audience. And um, one of the most uh, influential blogs in their space is a guy who runs a blog called Red State. And uh, he feels they felt, they felt as though Red State would be uh, uh, sympathetic to their cause. And so they're communicating directly with those bloggers and giving them information that they hope they'll repurpose. There's nothing clean about blog relations. I mean, you think media relations is dirty? There's nothing clean about it. Okay, There's no editorial oversight. There are no rules. And there's absolutely no controlling the message. You can participate in the conversation. You can offer your point of view. You can defend yourself. But you cannot control the message in the blogosphere. So look at the blogosphere not just as a channel for communications, but as a free focus group. Because they're going to tell you, they're going to point out all your weaknesses for you. And if you can be receptive to that information and actually figure out a way to use that information, I mean, that's a real opportunity. That's a real challenge from a business process standpoint. Yes?
1: You say you can't control the message, but how many people out there do you think are not who they say they are? Right. Recommending a product, who are actually
0: paid by that product. Well, one of the things you find about the blogosphere is the blogosphere has what I call social antibodies. And you know, if you if you if you lie or you're dishonest, and and it matters, and what you, and people are paying attention, you're going to get weeded out. Mm-hmm. You, they're going they're going to call you out, and they're they're going to you're going to get honest real quick because people are going to check it out themselves if what you have to say is, is noteworthy.
1: And, that so, and a lot of
0: people have been hung out to dry in situations like that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the blogosphere is not a place that you go and do a fake blog about being a you know, person that loves the product. That's not what it's about. It's about mm-hmm. trying to figure out what they're saying and then giving them information that they can use to either spread the word or if they're saying something that you don't like, you know, learn from it. I'll tell you... It's been a lot of times before the blogosphere when a journalist would write a terrible story about about a client of mine, and you call the journalist up and you say, "Hey, I don't think this was fair," and they say, "Yeah, well, I do." And you say, "Okay, fine, but would you be open to sometime in the future a meeting with my executive or whatever?" And then you set up the meeting, and you know, six months later, you wind up with a feature story in that book, right? Well, it's the same same thing on the blogosphere. I mean, you know, you want to walk softly but carry a big stick.
1: Um, I remember years ago there were discussions about people who called into radio shows. Mm-hmm. Not to offend anyone
2: if anyone has, right. but there's a certain demographic that most of us. What is the demographic for the people on the blog? Are we talking men, mostly male ages?
0: I think it's safe to say that for the most part they're tech savvy, but outside of that, it's pretty tough to peg. It really is. Really? Yeah. Because I mean, there are blogs about everything. There's, blog, there's a blog. An ambulance driver has a blog. There's pet blogs. There's uh, you know aspiring Anna Wintors with fashionista blogs. I mean, there's it's all over the place. So you would think, oh, it's just going to be tech geeks. It's really not. You know, it's it's really all facets. If if you want to find a blog on a given topic, a given body of knowledge. Is there like a directory? You're going to go to Technorati or Ice Rocket. Oh, I see, I see. And you're going to do a complex query. I see. And that's how you're going to target those conversations. Oh, I so, so back up to here, we we got Stonerfield Farms. Uh, I think they their business is up 12 times. And they're, they're accrediting it primarily to their blog. They have a blog called the Bovine Blog. It's an organic dairy farm. And they talk about family-related issues and child-raising issues. It's not about yogurt. It's not about cottage cheese. It's about raising children. Doesn't that make sense? I mean, seems like a pretty easy. Uh, Windows is blogging to humanize their brand. You know, they're not. They don't want to be the evil empire. They want you to know who the people are behind the, the brand, and so they're they They've actually got a blog program. There's a policy in place, and they're encouraging all their employees to blog. And if you think about it, the opportunity is for us as communicators is to help our clients communicate directly with audiences, not to communicate for them. That's what the press release is for. We're still going to do the company line. We're still going to do media relations. We're still going to do quarterly earnings reports. Still going to be new product releases. But for com- communicating directly with audiences, they need to be doing that. So this is a way to teach them to do that. Uh, for GM, uh, the CEO is, is blogging. on the Fast Fastlane blog. And for the Dallas Mavericks, it's Mark Cuban. Uh, who was felt he was misquoted so often in the press that he said, you know what, I'm not going to do interviews anymore. I'm just going to do my blog. Let him quote me there.
2: Okay. Okay, you said that the GM, what, who, who the GM is doing the blog? The for? CEO. Is he really doing the blog or is he having a, uh,
0: somebody doing the blog? For <laughs> if you look at the blog, I think <laughs> I think he's doing it. I, I think he's doing it. It, it reads like he's doing uh-huh. Jonathan Schwartz, who's the CEO of Sun Microsystems, uh, is now basically got a blog that's a thorn in IBM's side. Anytime there's an anti competitive issue, he's on the blog about it. Next day, it's in the San Jose Mercury News of the San, uh, San Francisco Chronicle. So that's an interesting way of introducing news, right? Exclusively. Uh, and to a, a, a privileged audience, shall we say, of, of digerati. Okay, enough blogging. What's. It- Ah, here's Sun Microsystems, and you can see how they, they integrate it here. You go to their website, and you want to go to the, the president's blog, you click there, you go to the president's blog. I mean, this really is about as efficient as it gets. Rather than the president calling in the head of PR and saying, okay, we're going to do a press release about this, the, pre- the president goes online and writes what he thinks, and it's available. So, we talked about social media, we talked about blogs, let's move on to podcasts, okay? So, we talked about this RSS feed, this RSS 2.0 feed with all this gibberish. Well, a guy by the name of Adam Curry figured out, hey, I wonder if I could get a file over that RSS feed. Rather than just having class of information, is there a way I could attach a file and send it out? could be a Word file, a PowerPoint file, a PDF, it doesn't really matter, but his idea was an MP3. Get an MP3 out there, I can have my own radio show, I won't have to buy satellite time, and I don't need a to broadcast tower. And he pulled it off. And that's what a podcast is. A podcast is an MP3 file, or an MP4 file, which is video, the first being audio, that's distributed over an RSS feed. So you can subscribe to it. Uh, how do you get them? So, the most popular place to get podcasts... is through iTunes. So consider for a moment how disruptive this is. Who's familiar with the business of syndicated television? Okay, syndicated television for those of you who aren't, syndicated television, you don't have the network to distribute your show for you. Okay, you gotta go market by market, meet with broadcasters, do some come to an agreement How much ad time they're going to get, how much ad time you're going to get, how much money. And then you've got to, once the deal is signed, you've got to feed them over satellite your show once a week or every day, how often your show runs. A lot of manpower, a lot of time and energy, person power, I should say, going into that endeavor. And I had to give away half my advertising time to get the station to run the channel. Well, now all I have to do for the podcast is go submit a podcast. This is an iTunes that we're in right now, you guys, so I can't bookmark this because you have to actually download this to your desktop. And I enter the feed location of my podcast and I hit send, and I am now distributed on iTunes. So if you think about what that means, to the business of broadcast and the business of cable, I mean, you know, the, the, the clock, I would say, is ticking. And I heard also Terry Semel recently interviewed on this subject matter. Um, The phone companies realize that there's no business in selling phone calls anymore. Because you can now make a phone call over the internet for free or anywhere in the world for a penny a minute. So they're realizing that if they're going to stay in business, they've got to start to distribute something more than just a phone call. So they're all getting into the cable business. And all the major phone companies, all four of them now, have test market programs up and running where you can get cable over the phone company. Okay? Because and this is a matter of life and death for them. If they don't figure out how to do this, it's gonna be over for them. Now TiVo, how many of you have TiVo?
1: Best thing ever, ever.
0: Okay, so so <laughs> if I'm your TiVo business. is hooked up to your broadband connection, you can now subscribe to video podcasts over your TiVo. You just get the, po- get the cable, put it in there, and then call tech support. Yeah. <laughs> and stay on hold till you get it done. But Reactive. it does work. I'm, I'm doing it. And you can subscribe to podcasts. And now, think about that. I'm, I only have so much time to watch TV. What am I going to watch? Is it going to be broadcast? Is it going to be cable? Or is it going to be podcast? This content, which is being distributed over the Internet, is now available not just on a portable device or on my computer, but on my TV as well. And therein lies a big misnomer that I want to just make sure everyone's clear about. It. You don't need an iPod to listen to a podcast. No. You can listen to them on your computer, you can listen to them on your stereo, you can listen to them in your car. people are. So um, that's how easy it is to subscribe, to, to um, get yourself distributed through iTunes. And I'll tell you, most of my listeners of my podcast, to date, my podcast has been downloaded about 100,000 times. And most of the listeners came to me through iTunes, they never went to my website. Now think about that, I mean, I could never have done that before this technology was was around. Now I've got this archive of shows, people download them daily, and I'm able to promote my own brand as an individual and a consultant through these podcasts by giving people not a song and dance about what I do, but interviews with people who are really smart about these types of subjects. And I question them about what they're experts in. And I've had a chance to talk to Walt Mossberg and Ken Auletta of the New Yorker Magazine. And I mean, the biggest names have, are starting to say yes to this now. So it's really a great opportunity. Yes. So,
2: so what is your studio for that? What, how do you actually pull that off logistically?
0: So, my studio is me at my desk with a USB headset on my computer. You know what my studio is today? I'm tape recording this because I figure if it's really good, I'll release it as a podcast. This is my studio. This is a iRiver that I bought for $195 at Best Buy. And I can plug it into my computer, and it holds about 30 hours of audio content. So, I mean, you know, yeah, you could go with the padded walls and all that kind of stuff and do the, you know, but you don't need to. This is all about what's being said in the streets. This is not about the slick, you know. When I watch TV, when I watch a morning show, those guys are so in my face. If I'm not paying attention for a minute, I'm going to miss something. But, you know, in a podcast, the ums and the ahs and the you knows and that kind of language, which isn't quite as slick and polished, lends itself quite nicely to multitasking, which is usually how podcasts are enjoyed.
2: I have another question. Yes. You do these podcasts. How do you make money off it?
0: Okay. So, for me, I use the podcast to build an audience for premium mm-hmm. content. And in this case, it's consulting services. So, as a result of my podcast, I've been invited to speak at a number of conferences. I was invited to speak here today by Barbara, probably because of my podcast and my blog. And I've become somewhat of a thought leader in this area. Because I use the podcast, and I also learn a lot through the podcast. Because I could never call Walt, Mo- Walt Mossberg and say, "Walt, let's let's shoot the you know what on the phone for an hour." And he's not going to do it. But if I say, "Walt, you know, I'd like to interview for my podcast," he's ready to go. I mean, it's interesting what happens, you know, to people from a vanity standpoint when you say, "I'd like to interview you." They don't even ask any questions. I mean, they're ready to go. So it's mostly a promotional. Uh, for me, it's a promotional vehicle. It's a it's an educational vehicle. It's a public service. Um, you know, it's not just a promotional vehicle because if it was just a promotional vehicle, it'd be boring. So it's it's actually seminar quality uh, interviews. I mean, I, I research these people. I come up with you know questions that I think are going to be provocative and controversial, and uh, an uh, discussion ensues. And I tape record it and I release it as a podcast.
1: How would you find your?
0: So if you went to iTunes and you searched Schwartzman, you'd find my podcast. Um, oh, 10 minutes more. I've got to wrap it up. Is it anywhere else under um, uh, there's not that uh, narrow of a category yet for, for RSS. There's business and marketing. That's as narrow as the categories are at this point. I'm sure they're going to splinter at some point. But if you just search my name, Eric Schwartzman, in Google or Yahoo, you can find it there too. It's real easy to find.
1: But people probably aren't searching for that when they find you. I would imagine they're searching
0: for what? Excellent point. What do you? I mean, when you search for something, you're searching based on a keyword or phrase, an idea. So each time I do a podcast, I don't just release the MP3 file. I also do show notes and the show notes describe what's being said in the podcast. And I make sure that whatever keywords and phrases we're discussing in the podcast are relevant are in the show notes. Now obviously it's a delicate balance because if I if the show notes are too good, no one will listen to the podcast. So it's sort of like teaser description of what's going on without really revealing what was what what was being either. said, you know, more the nature of what's being said. These are some companies that are podcasting. Disneyland is doing a podcast to promote the park. Uh, Ecast is doing a podcast to promote new media advertising. Fox is doing a podcast to promote their programs. Purina is doing a Cat Lovers podcast. Simon Says is doing podcasts featuring authors talking about new releases. Virgin Atlantic is doing a podcast talking about travel destinations. IBM is doing a podcast um, about how IBM participates in the future growth of industries and it's being done by their investor investor relations group. TV Guide does a podcast about what's on TV, and Whirlpool is doing a podcast about families. Are these
1: audio podcasts?
0: These are all audio podcasts. So here's... Can you
1: submit a video
0: podcast? Same way as I just showed you. You just go submit a podcast, plug in the URL, and you're on iTunes. You know, um, I'm just starting to experiment with yeah. uh, with with video podcasts. There's a lot of different ways to do it. That's one way you could do it. Could
1: right? real in
0: it? Uh, I'm sure you could. Why are these companies uh, only doing audio at this point? Well, for the most part, uh, the majority of podcasts out there are are the majority of iPods out there are, are not video iPods. And if you think about how podcasts are consumed, they're usually consumed in a multitasking environment, uh, predominantly um, commuting. Commuting. <laughs> Or or while you exercise, and for that reason, most people recommend you know your podcast length be twenty to forty five minutes because that's the average commute or, or workout session.
2: Not just how they're consumed, but how
1: they're created. I mean, you got a great face, but if I've seen it once, I probably don't have to see it every time you talk. And if it's a
0: talking head podcast, why would you need? It's a good point. Why would you need to? So, um, quick case study. Uh, I think this will be relevant for those of you who are in B two B. Uh, this is a client that uh, went to a trade show. It was a, an advertising uh, technology trade show. There were about 2,000 people who attended the trade show. They didn't meet them all, but the salespeople got as many cards as they could and went home and dialed up and tried to do business afterwards because that's the way it works at a trade show. You get the business cards, they pack up the booth, and you hope that you get something out of it when you go home. Well, what we decided to do was we produced a series of podcasts from their booth. We called all the keynote speakers and all the panelists. We booked them for one-on-one interviews. We had a sign and a blinking light, and everyone was, oh, what's going on? It's a podcast, so it was a media draw as well. And um, here's the results. Uh, 2,000 people attended the show, and there have been 12,000 listeners over the course of a year. So the archival value of that trade show is unlocked. You're able to reach an incremental audience by capturing that information and making it available via podcasts. So beyond blogs and podcasts, Bill, what you were talking about. Beyond blogs and podcasts is web publishing and having the ability to use these tools to do your job. So when that call comes from the photo editor Friday at 5 p.m. and they've just got a new ad and they've got space for a photo, can you email something? You don't have to turn around and drive back to the office and do it. You can say, are you online? Go here. Here's my photo gallery. Download it there. Or you can, rather than putting out press releases and each time the press release goes out, having to push that press release to the same people, getting a feed going of those press releases and promoting the feed. Hey, are you listening to the feed? we got news coming on the feed. And starting to use the feed as an exclusive channel. That's a way to build some momentum in the media relations channel so that you're not starting from scratch each time you go out there with new news. These are some screenshots from the back end of iPressroom. That's a screenshot for uh, photo details upload. Um, This is a screenshot for email marketing. This is a click-through detail that shows um, who clicked through. So you're going to CES, you get the press release. it's 2,500 names. You put out the press release to 2,500 names, who do you call first? You start at the A's? I mean, come on. What you do is you put it out with a tool that's going to tell you who's clicking through first and you call those people first because you're never going to be able to call 2,500 names. Um, and be able to solicit feedback with forms. Did I make it in 10 minutes? I
1: think Good.
0: so. <clears throat> so there you are. That's sort of a tour de force. We scratched the surface. There's a lot more uh, under that. If you have questions or anything that I didn't answer and I don't get a chance to answer it here today, send me an email. I'm happy to, uh, to answer uh, one-on-one after the after this um, Uh, session and thank you guys for listening because attention is a scarce commodity and I appreciate yours. Thank you.